Welcome in the Great Khan's Tent. History, Literature and Storytelling In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on YouTube. You can find us using this podcast name. Fear not, listeners, episodes will still be released on this podcast first, and it is only after a delay of a week that I will upload them onto YouTube. You can still find us on all your podcast providers first. Are you interested in getting the book you just published reviewed? Writing some piece of literature and need help getting it out there and promoted? Interested in sharing what piece of literature we should cover next? Well, fret not. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on Patreon, where your contribution can help in growing this podcast. For as low as $3 a month, a price less than a good, and I mean good, cup of coffee, you can help contribute to the growth of this podcast. Every bit helps, but as always, it is not necessary to do so, but will be appreciated. Find the Patreon link on our website on our social media accounts, or email us and we can send it to you. Thank you. In each episode, you may notice that a background track has been provided, like this. This is a result of my editorial decision to include a background track when there is some interaction between a human and a jinn, an otherworldly being that is a common race that frequently appears in these tales. If you have any suggestions, comments, or complaints, please be sure to email us at all lowercase in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. That is in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. We would love to hear from our listeners. Thank you for listening, and now on with the show. In this episode, we end the story of the first of the three ladies of Baghdad and move on to the story of the second of the three ladies of Baghdad with the continuation of Night 17 and Night 18. We once again encounter two jinn in this story. The main dealings are with the jinnia with the other being an anonymous enemy of her and see the help they would provide. It is interesting that her help was stipulated with a warning to continue the punishment of her sisters unless she wants to be turned into a black dog as well. The story of the second lady of Baghdad is also highly engaging with the mystical elements that are incorporated within it, especially regarding the sister and the old lady who we are never really informed if they are jinn, magicians, or just illusions meant to punish the second lady for an unspecified supposed crime. Auzubillah min ash-shaytan Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful. Praise be to God, the beneficent King, the creator of the universe, who has raised the heavens without pillars and spread out the earth as a bed. And blessings and peace be upon the Lord of Apostles, our Lord and Master Muhammad, Sallallahu and his family. Blessings and peace, enduring and constant unto the day of judgment. Of a verity, the doings of the ancients become a lesson to those that follow after, so that men look upon the admonitory events that have happened to others and take warning, 
and come to the knowledge of what befell bygone peoples, and are restrained thereby. So glory be to him who hath appointed the things that have been done aforetime for an example to those that have come after. And of these admonitory instances are the histories called the Thousand and One Nights, with all their store of illustrious fables and relations. Shirzad continued, On hearing these words, I had lost my heart to him. I said to him, Wilt thou go with me to the city of Baghdad, and visit its learned men and lawyers and the Fakis, and so add to his knowledge, understanding, and grasp of religious law, and increase thy knowledge. If so, I will be thy handmaid, though I am the mistress of my family, and have authority over a household of men, eunuchs, and slaves. I have here a ship laden with merchandise, and destiny hath given us to this city, in order that we might become acquainted with these events. Our meeting was predestined. I continued to prompt him to leave with me, flattering him and using my wiles. In this manner I continued to persuade him until he gave his consent. Night 18 Morning now dawned, and Shehrazad broke off from what she had been allowed to say. Then, when it was the eighteenth night, she said, I have heard, O auspicious Shehanshah, that the lady continued to prompt him to leave with her until he said yes. The lady went on, I slept that night at his feet, unconscious of my state, through excessive joy, and in the morning we rose, and entering the treasuries, took away a quantity of the lighter and most valuable of the articles that they contained, and descended from the citadel into the city, where we met the slaves and the captain who were searching for me. They were rejoiced at seeing me, and to their questions respecting my absence, I replied by informing them of all that I had seen, and related to them the history of the young man, and the cause of the transmutation of the people of the city, and all that had befallen them, which filled them with wonder. But when my two sisters, now these two bitches, saw me with the young man, they envied me on his account, jealous of me, and angry, malvolently plotted against me. We embarked again gaily, overjoyed at the profit we had made, and I experienced the utmost happiness, chiefly owing to the company of the young man, and after we had waited a while till the wind was favorable, we spread our sails and departed. My sister sat with me and the young man, and in their conversation with me said, O oh, our sister, what does thou propose to do with this handsome youth? I answered, I desire to take him as my husband. And turning to him and approaching him, I said, O oh my master, I wish to make a proposal to thee, and do not thou oppose it. He replied, I hear and obey. 
When we reach Baghdad, our city, I shall propose myself to you in marriage. You shall be my husband, and I shall be your wife. And then I looked towards my sisters and said to them, This young man is all that I desire, and all the wealth that is here is yours. Excellent, they replied, is thy determination. Yet still they designed evil against me. We continued our voyage with favorable wind, and quitting the sea of peril, entered the sea of security, across which we proceeded for some days, till we drew near to the city of Al-Basra. We came in sight of the walls and the buildings of which loomed before us at the approach of evening. But as soon as we had fallen asleep, my sisters took us up in our bed, both myself and the young man, and threw us into the sea. The youth, being unable to swim, was drowned. Allah recorded him among the company of the martyrs, while I was registered among those whose life was yet to be preserved, and I wish that I had drowned with him, but Allah decreed that I should be saved. Accordingly, as soon as I awoke and found myself in the sea, the providence of Allah supplied me with a piece of lumber, upon which I placed myself, and the waves cast me upon the shore of an island. During the remainder of the night I walked along this island, and in the morning I saw a neck of land bearing the marks of a man's feet and uniting with the mainland. The sun now having risen, I dried my clothes in its rays, ate some of the island fruits and drank from its water, and proceeded along the path that I had discovered until I drew near to the shore upon which stands the city, when I beheld a snake approaching me, as thick as a palm tree darting towards me, and as it came I could see it swerving to the right and to the left until it reached me. It was sweeping aside the dust with the whole length of its body. It was being pursued by a serpent thin and long as a lance which was endeavoring to destroy it. In its flight the snake turned to the right and the left, but the serpent seized its tail. The snake shed tears and its tongue lolled out because of its violent effort to escape. The tongue of the snake was hanging from its mouth in consequence of excessive fatigue, and it excited my compassion. So I took up a stone and threw it at the head of the serpent, which instantly died. The snake then extended a pair of wings and soared aloft into the sky, leaving me in a wonder at the sight. At the time of this occurrence, I had become so fatigued that I now laid myself down and slept. But I awoke after a little while and found a damsel seated at my feet with two bitches and gently rubbing them with her hands upon which i immediately sat up feeling ashamed that she should perform this service for me and said to her who art thou and what dost thou want 
How soon hast thou forgotten me, she exclaimed. I am she to whom thou hast just done a kindness, killing my foe and sowing the seeds of gratitude. I am the snake whom thou savest from the serpent, for I am a jinnia. And the serpent was a jinn at enmity with me, and none but thou delivered me from him. Therefore, as soon as thou didst this, I flew to the ship from which thy sisters cast thee, and transported all that it contained to thy house. Then I sunk it, but as to thy sisters, I transformed them by enchantment into two black bitches, for I knew all that they had done to thee. The young man, however, is drowned. Having thus said, she took me up and placed me with the two black bitches on the roof of my house, and I found all the treasures that the ship had contained collected in the midst of my house. Nothing was lost. She then said to me, I swear by that which was engraved upon the seal of Suleiman, on whom be peace that if thou do not inflict three hundred lashes upon each of these bitches every day, I will come and transform thee in the like manner. So I replied, I hear and obey, and have continued ever since to inflict upon them these stripes, though pitying them while I do so. And they realize, commander of the faithful, that this is not my fault and accept my excuse. This is my story. The Khalifa heard this story with astonishment and then said to the second lady, And what occasioned the stripes of which thou bearest the marks? She answered as follows. The story of the second of the three ladies of Baghdad. O prince of the faithful, my father at his death left considerable property and a great quantity of wealth and soon after that event i married to one of the wealthiest men of the age who when i had lived with him a year died and i inherited from him eighty thousand dinars the portion that fell to me according to the law with part of which i made for myself ten suits of clothing each of the value of a thousand pieces of gold and as i was sitting one day there entered my apartment an old woman disgustingly ugly with pendulous cheeks thinning eyebrows popping eyes broken teeth and a blotched face she was blearly eyed with a head that looked as though it had been covered in plaster gray hair and a bent body covered in scabs her skin was discolored and she was dribbling mucus as the poet has described an old woman of evil omen may allah have no mercy on her youth or pardon her sins the day she comes to die she would lead a thousand bolting mules with a spider web for reins so domineering is she she saluted me and said we are strangers with no acquaintances in this city i have an orphan daughter whose marriage i am to celebrate this night and i would have thee obtain a reward and recompense in heaven by thy being present at her nuptial festivity and her hearts are broken for she is broken-hearted 
having none to befriend her but Allah, whose name be exalted. Were you to come to the wedding, the ladies of the city would hear that you were going and would come themselves. You would then mend my daughter's broken heart, for her only helper is Allah. She then wept and kissed my feet and recited the lines. Your presence there would honor us, and that we would acknowledge, while if you do not come, we have no substitute and no replacement. And being moved with pity and compassion, I assented, I shall do something for her, if Allah wills, and she shall be married in my clothes, with my jewelry and my finery. The old woman was delighted. She bent down to kiss my feet and said, May Allah reward you and mend your heart as you have mended mine. She desired me to prepare myself, telling me that she would come at the hour of nightfall and take me. And so saying, she kissed my hand and departed. I arose immediately and attired myself. And when I had completed my preparations, the old woman returned, saying, O oh my mistress, the ladies of the city have arrived, and I have informed them of thy coming, and they are waiting with joy to receive thee. So I put on my outer garments, and taking my female slaves with me, proceeded until we arrived at the street. I went on until we came to a lane that had been swept and sprinkled with water, in which a soft wind was delightfully playing, where we saw a gateway overarched with a marble vault, admirably constructed, forming the entrance to a palace, which arose from the earth to the clouds. Over the gate these lines were inscribed, I am a house built for pleasure and consecrated for all time to joy and relaxation, in my center is a fountain with gushing waters that clear away all sorrows. Flowers border it, anemones and the rose, myrtle, narcissus, blooms and chamomile. On our arrival there, the old woman knocked at the door, and when it was opened, we entered a carpeted passage illuminated by lamps hanging and candles, and decorated with jewels and precious metals, and with gems and precious stones. Through this passage we passed into a saloon of unequal magnificence, furnished with mattresses covered with silk, spread with silken rugs, lighted by hanging lamps, and by two rows of candles, and having at its upper end a couch of alabaster and of juniper wood decorated with pearls and jewels, and canopied by curtains of satin. Before we knew what was happening, there came forth a lady beautiful as the moon. I looked at her, commander of the faithful, and saw that she was more perfect than the moon at its full with a forehead brighter than daybreak, as the poet has said. In the places of the Caesars she is a maiden, from among the bashful ones of Husro's courts. On her cheeks are rosy tokens. How beautiful are those red cheeks! A slender girl with a languid, sleepy glance. 
she encompasses all of beauty's graces the lock of hair that hangs above her forehead is the night of care set over joyful dawn she emerged from beneath the canopy and greeted me and exclaimed to me most welcome art thou o my sister thou delightest me by thy company and refreshest my heart she gave me a thousand welcomes and reciting were the house to know who comes to visit it it would kiss in joyfulness the place where you have trod and call out with its silent voice welcome to the generous and noble one she then sat down again and said to me o oh, my sister i have a brother who hath seen thee at a number of weddings and festivities he is a young man more handsome than myself and his heart being violently inflamed with love of thee because of the richness of beauty and grace that you possess he has heard that you are the mistress of your people as he is the master of his because he wished to attach himself to you he hath bribed this old woman to go to thee and to employ this artifice in order to obtain for me an interview with thee he desirous to marry thee according to the ordinances of allah and his apostle and in that which is lawful there is no disgrace when i heard these words and saw myself thus confined in the house so that i could not escape i replied i hear and obey and the lady rejoicing at my consent clapped her hands and opened a door upon which there came out from it a young man in the bloom of his youth so surprisingly handsome immaculately dressed well built graceful splendid and perfect with engaging manners that my heart immediately inclined to him his eyebrows were like the archer's bow and his eyes could steal hearts with illicit magic as the poet's description has it his face is like a crescent moon where marks of good fortune are like pearls how excellent also are these lines blessed is his beauty and blessed is our allah how great is he who formed and shaped this man alone he has acquired all loveliness and in his beauty all mankind strays lost upon his cheek beauty has written these words i testify there is no handsome man but he no sooner had he sat down than the cadi and four witnesses entered and saluted us and proceeded to perform the ceremony of the marriage contract between me and the young man which having done they departed and when they had retired the young man looked towards me and said may our night be blessed he then informed me that he desired to impose a covenant upon me and bringing a copy of the koran said swear that thou wilt not indulge a preference nor at all inclined to any man but me and when i had sworn to this effect he rejoiced exceedingly and embraced me and the love of him took possession of my heart servants then set out a table and we ate and drank our fill night fell and he took me to bed where we continued to kiss and embrace until morning 
We lived together in the utmost happiness for the space of a month, after which I begged that he would allow me to go to the bazaar in order to purchase some stuffs for dress, and having obtained his permission, I put on an outdoor mantle, went thither in company with the old woman and a servant girl. I went down to the market and seated myself at the shop of a young merchant with whom she was acquainted and whose father as she informed me had died and left him great wealth he has a great stock of goods she added you will find whatever you want and no trader in the market has finer fabrics she desired him to show me his most costly stuffs he replied to hear is to obey and while he was occupied in doing so, she began to utter various flattering expressions in praise of him. But I said to her, We have no concern with the praises that thou bestowest upon him. We desire only to make our purchase and to return home. Meanwhile, he produced to us what we wanted, and we handed him the money. He refused, however, to take it, saying, it is an offering of hospitality to you for your visit this day. Whereupon I said to the old woman, If he will not take the money, return to him his stuff. But he would not receive it again, and exclaimed, By Allah, I will take nothing from you. All this is a present from me for a single kiss, which I shall value more than the entire contents of my shop. What will a kiss profit thee? asked the old woman. Then, turning to me, she said, O oh, my daughter, thou hast heard what the youth hath said. No harm will befall thee if he gave thee a kiss, and thou shalt take what thou wantest. Does thou not know, said I, that I have taken an oath? She answered, let him kiss thee then without thy speaking, and so it will be of no consequence to thee, and thou shalt take back thy money. Stay silent, and let him kiss you. You will have done nothing wrong, and you can take back this money. She continued to inveigle me, until I fell into a trap and agreed. Thus she continued to palliate the matter until I put my head, as it were, into a bag and consented. So I covered my eyes and held the edge of my whale in such a manner as to prevent the passengers from seeing me. Whereupon he put his mouth to my cheek beneath the whale, but instead of merely kissing me, he lacerated my cheek with a violent bite. I fell into a swoon from the pain and the old woman laid me on her lap till I recovered, when I found the shop closed and the old woman uttering expressions of grief, and saying, What Allah hath averted would have been a greater calamity. Let us return home, and do thou feign to be ill, and I will come to thee and apply a remedy that shall cure the wound, and thou wilt quickly be restored. After remaining there some time longer, I rose, and in a state of great uneasiness and fear, I walked very slowly to the house, and professed myself ill, upon which my husband came in to me, and said, What hath befallen thee, O my mistress, during this excursion? 
I answered, I am not well, I have a headache. And what is this wound, he said, that is upon thy cheek and in the soft part? I answered, when I asked thy permission and went out today to purchase some stuff for a dress, a camel loaded with firewood drove against me in the crowd and tore my wail and wounded my cheek as thou seest, for the streets of this city are narrow. Tomorrow then, he exclaimed, I will go to the governor and make a complaint to him, and he shall hang every seller of firewood in the city. By Allah, said I, burden not thyself by an injury to any one, for the truth is that I was riding upon an ass which took fright with me, and I fell upon the ground, and a stick lacerated my cheek. If it be so, then he replied, I will go tomorrow to Jafar al-Barmaki, and relate this matter to him, and he shall kill every ass-driver in this city. Wilt thou, said I, kill all those men on my account, when this which befell me was decreed by Allah? Undoubtedly, he answered. He kept on insisting on this until, when he got up, I turned around and spoke sharply to him. At that commander of the faithful, he realized what had happened to me. And so saying, he seized me violently. You have been false to your oath, he said then sprang up and uttered a loud cry, upon which the door opened, and there came forth from it seven black slaves, who dragged me from my bed and threw me down in the middle of the apartment, whereupon he ordered one of them to hold me by my shoulders, and to sit upon my head, and another to sit upon my knees and hold my feet. A third then came with a sword in his hand and said, O oh my lord, shall I strike her with a sword, and cleave her in twain, that each of these may take a half and throw it into the tigris for the fish to devour? For such is the punishment of her who is unfaithful to her oath, and to the laws of love. My husband answered, Strike her, O Sa'ad. He grew even more angry, and recited these verses. If I must have a partner in my love, even though passion slay me, I shall drive love from my soul. I say to my soul, die nobly, for there is no good in a love that is opposed. And the slave with a drawn sword in his hand said, Repeat the profession of the faith, and reflect what thou wast have to be done, that thou may give thy testamentary directions for this is the end of thy life. Good slave, I replied, release me for a while that I may do so. And I raised my head and saw the state that I was in, and how I had fallen from greatness to degradation. My tears flowed and I wept bitterly, but my husband recited angrily, Say to one who has tired of union and turned from me, being pleased to take another partner in love, I had enough of you before you had enough of me, and what has passed between us is enough for me. When I heard that, commander of the faithful, and weeping as I spoke, addressed my husband with these verses. You render me love, Lord, and remain at ease. 
You make my wounded eyelid to be restless and you sleep. Your abode is between my heart and my eyes, and my heart will not relinquish you, nor my tears conceal my passion. You make a covenant with me that you would remain faithful, but when you had gained possession of my heart, you deceived me. Will you not pity my love for you and my moaning? Have you yourself been secure from misfortunes? I conjure you by Allah, if I die, that you write upon my tombstone, This was a slave of love, that perchance some mourner who hath felt the same flame may pass by the lover's grave and pity her. I recited, You abandoned me in my love and have sat back. You have left my swollen eyelid sleepless and have slept. You made a pact between my eyes and sleeplessness. My heart does not forget you, nor are my tears concealed. You promised to be faithful in your love, but played the traitor when you won my heart. I loved you as a child who did not know of love, so do not kill me now that I am learning it. I ask you in Allah's name that if I die, you write upon my tomb, here lies a slave of love. It may be that a sad one who knows love's pangs will pass this lover's heart of mine and feel compassion. On finishing these lines, I shed more tears, but on hearing these verses and witnessing my weeping, he became more incensed and replied in the words of this couplet, I reject not the beloved of my heart from weariness. Her own guilty conduct is the cause of her punishment. She desired that another should share with me her love, but the faith of my heart inclined not to partnership. He recited, I left the darling of my heart not having tired of her, but for a sin that she was guilty of. She wanted a partner to share in our love but my heart's faith rejects a plural God. When he had finished his lines, I pleaded with him tearfully. I continued to weep and to endeavor to excite his compassion, saying within myself, I will humble me before him and address him with soft words, that he may at least refrain from killing me, though he take all that I possess. So I complained to him of my sufferings and recited. Treat me with justice and do not kill me. The sentence of separation is unjust. Ye load me with passion's heavy weight, although even one shirt is too much for my strength. I am not surprised that my life should be lost. My wonder is how, after your loss, my body can be recognized. I finished the lines weeping, but he looked at me and rebuffed and reviled me, reciting, You left me for another and made clear you were forsaking me. This is not how we were. I shall abandon you as you abandoned me, enduring without you as you endure my loss. I cease to occupy myself with you for you have occupied yourself with someone else. The severance of our love is set at your door, not at mine. While we were sparring with each other in this exchange of verses, he cried out to the slave, Cleave her in twain, for she is no longer of any value to us. So the slave approached me, and now I felt assured of my death and committed myself to Allah. 
But suddenly the old woman came and threw herself at my husband's feet, and kissing them, exclaimed, O my son, by the care of which I nursed thee, I conjure thee to pardon this damsel, for she hath committed no offence that deserveth such a punishment. Thou art young, and I fear the effect of the imprecations that she may utter against thee. You are very young, lest she involve you in sin. As the saying goes, every killer is killed. What is the slut? Cast her off from you, from your mind, and from your heart. And after she had thus addressed him, she wept and continued to importune him, until at length he said, I pardon her, but must cause her to bear upon her person such marks of her offense as shall last for the remainder of her life. So saying, he commanded the slaves to drag me off, to strip off my west, and stretched me out. They sat on me while taking a stick cut from a quince tree. He beat upon my back and my sides until I became insensible from the violence of the blows and despaired of my life. He then ordered the slaves to take me away as soon as it was night, accompanied by the old woman, and to throw me into my house in which I formerly resided. They accordingly executed their lord's commands, and when they had deposited me in my house, they went off. It was not until daybreak that I recovered from my faint, and then I tried to soothe my wounds. I applied myself to the healing of my wounds, treating my body with salves and medicines. But after I had cured myself, my sides still bore the appearance of having been beaten with mikrahas. I continued to apply remedies for four months before I was restored, and then repaired to view the house in which this event happened. But I found it reduced to ruin and to a pile of rubble and the whole street pulled down, with the lane in which it stood totally demolished. The site of the house I found occupied by mounds of rubbish, and I knew not the cause. I could find no news of what happened. Under these circumstances, I went to reside with this my sister, who is of the same father as myself, and I found with her these two bitches, having saluted her, I informed her of all that had befallen me, to which she replied, Who is secure from the afflictions of fortune? Praise be to Allah who terminated the affair with safety to thy life. And she started to recite, This is how time acts, so show endurance, whether you be stripped of wealth or parted from your love. She then related to me her own story, and that of her two sisters, and I remained with her, and neither of us ever mentioned the subject of marriage. Afterwards, we were joined by this our other sister, the cateress, who every day goes out to purchase for us whatever we happen to want. Things went on like this until last night. Our sister had gone out as usual to buy our food, when she returned with the porter, and the three dervishes arrived shortly afterwards. We talked with them, brought them in, and treated them well. But only after a little of the night had passed, we were joined by three respectable merchants from Mosul. They told us their story, and we talked with them, but we had imposed a condition on all our visitors, 
which they broke. We paid them back for this breach and asked them all for their stories which they recited. Then we forgave them and they left. Today, before we knew what was happening, we were brought before you. This is our story. Welcome to the vocabulary section for episode 13. Let's look at some of the words that were used in this episode. Malvoilently, having, showing, or arising from intense, often vicious ill will, spite, or hatred, or productive of harm or evil. Providence, divine guidance or care. Lulled, to hang loosely or laxly, or to act or move in a lax, lazy, or indolent manner. Illicit, conforming to the requirements of the law or not forbidden by law. Palliate, to reduce the violence or to cover by excuses and apologies. Lacerated, to tear or rend roughly or to cause sharp mental or emotional pain. Inveigle, to win over by wiles or to acquire by ingenuity or flattery. Imprecations, to curse or to invoke evil. Importune, to press or urge with troublesome persistence, or to request or beg for urgency. Endeavoring, to attempt by excursion of effort, or to strive to achieve or reach. Stripes, a stroke or blow with a rod or a lash. Artifice, clever or artful skill. Consecrated, to induct a person into a prominent office with a religious rite, or to make or declare sacred. Testamentary, a tangible proof or tribute, or expression of conviction, or an act by which a person determines the disposition of his or her property after death. Degradation, the act or process of degrading. Loomed, to come into sight in enlarged or distorted and indistinct form, often as a result of atmospheric conditions, or to appear in an impressively great or exaggerated form. Pendulous, hanging down loosely. This episode has been written, edited, and produced by Saf Big. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and or night. And may the journeys on which you are set upon be fruitful. Thank you for listening.